Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 61 of Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze. I am your host, Jeremy Vilmer, and now the star of the show and president of the Fender Rosa fan club, Bobby Blaze. Ah, uh, yes. Hello, Professor. You did it. You caught me out on Thunder Rosa. Yeah, yeah. She's, uh, she's the bomb in my book, man. I, I like that little girl. She's tough. Tough as nails, ready to kick some ass, man. Yeah, she's, uh, uh she's pretty badass, that one. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Speaking of which, uh, anyone else in NWA grabbing your eyes lately? <laughs> um, yeah, there's there's Camille Brickhouse, who I, uh, oh, okay. I like quite a bit there. I don't know if she's going to end up wrestling or what the deal with her is. I think it's funny that we have a second situation where the woman running around with Nick Aldis is kind of outshining him a bit. But uh, uh, <laughs> that's maybe that's just me. Yeah, she's pretty hot, too. I tell you, I like that NWA product. I've, I've kept with it, you know, each week. I really enjoyed it, man. That Thunder Rosa, she just really made an impression on me. And then she had an MMA fight, of course. And just I really respect someone. That you, just, you can just see through the hard work and effort mm-hmm. that when they get in that ring, man, it just really pays off. And uh, it comes across as professionalism. And I just see her as a shooting star, man. I really do. And, of course, they got a good mix there with the, um, you know, the younger talent the older talent and i like it because it is what it is it's the good studio wrestling and um, i've enjoyed each episode and i know we've got a couple more before they go back to uh to tape some more so uh, i'm looking forward to the next couple of episodes too so that's a good little deal there yeah so am i you know me and my brother get together now every week to watch it now this this week though i ended up having to bounce out a little bit early so i didn't catch the end of it so i'll do that tonight probably um i have enjoyed it it is really heavy on nostalgia i don't know if that'll wear thin or not, but the wrestling in it is solid, which is the thing I like about it. Right, yeah. Yeah. How about the other products out there? Anything while we're talking about wrestling at the top of the hour here? You know, so again, I I don't watch WWE. From what I can tell from talking to people who do, it sounds like what's been going on is still going on. It's just like they're beating the same drum over and over. What I was a little bit shocked by were two guys I know who were really – Looking forward to AEW coming out are kind mm-hmm. of kind of falling out of love with it. Yeah, I'm getting a mixed feeling on that as well. I hear a little bit. I talk to several people. I get a little bit mixed feeling. Some people that was on board at the beginning are just kind of like, ah, let's just kind of see what happens. They they they, they say they like it. They're not you know they're not not watching it right now. But yeah. I think they're a little bit let down. I'll say that it is what it is. You know, it's, it's it's. I think they're trying to compete with WWE. I guess that's the whole idea. So they I guess when Ben's trade uh, picked up at Wednesday night, so there would be, you know, a, a Wednesday night war, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that, you know, there's a whole lot of wrestling available right now that you can watch, you know, from the WWE yeah. to the AEW to the, the NWA, you know, uh, to you still got your Ring of Honor impact and all that. So you can just about watch wrestling every damn night on TV. And if not, it, it's certainly all over the Internet. I mean, that's that's just the way it is nowadays. So I don't know if there is a a Wednesday night war, even though I see some ratings people post on Twitter or something. I don't know if that's really a, I don't know. Do you think it is, is, uh, you is know, it a competition or not? I don't I, know. I've been trying to get my head around because like I haven't had cable for almost 10 years, you know, yeah. I don't even know how you do like a quote unquote Nielsen rating nowadays. Cause I'd been in a Nielsen family a couple of times. We used to, you know, catalog everything we watched, blah, blah, blah. But nowadays, with DVR and some of the stuff, you, well, look look at the NWA. It's on Facebook and YouTube. Mm-hmm. Does that even register? Does anybody even pay attention to that? I don't know. AEW Dark is on YouTube. It's not on a regular yeah. channel. I don't know how you even catalog what people are watching at this point. I mean, yeah. 
I, to me, it seems like you would have to specifically ask people, how many hours a week do you watch pro wrestling on television and the internet to even get an idea of it? Yeah, yeah. Well, the point is, it's a good time to be a wrestling fan. That's Boy, is it. Sure. <laughs> you got enough of it out there, man. Well, there's, there's so, a diverse uh, product. There's still all the little stuff that we were getting by on in the last 20 years, you know, these little promotions that cropped up, you know, regionals and things. Plus, there's a lot of big name players now, you know, in, uh, in New Japan. Uh, oh, yeah. WWE so, has three brands out there running. I mean, that's, that's a pretty big deal. AEW is out there running, um, which I'm starting to think AEW might be gearing for younger viewers. And certainly you and I and a lot of our listeners are going to the NWA because it feels like the NWA is trying to get us as viewers. Yeah, I think you're right on that. Yeah. Well, so, you're the professor. <laughs> well, it's, you know, it's just me throwing spaghetti at a wall and hoping something sticks, you know? Yeah. No, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. So, but I'm, I'm glad they're doing as well as they are, you know. Um, yeah, absolutely. All right, Bobby. So we're going to do something different today. We're not doing a top 10 list. Okay. But what okay. we're going to do is you're going to tell me about how you got into Smoky Mountain. Yeah, we've had a couple fan requests out there to uh, talk about my Smoky Mountain career. Um, and so we're going to keep it strictly just on the uh, Smoky Mountain. Uh, my entire time there from the first phone call till when they finally shut down, I'll just kind of, uh, kind of guide me through it if you need to stop me when you may and uh, we'll go from there how's that that sounds perfect to me and i loved working it i loved working that territory it was a great territory to work so well what area did smoky mountain cover uh so um they covered uh our home base was uh morristown tennessee morristown knoxville down that area but it covered um our regular town were morristown knoxville uh Johnson City, Tennessee, and then Barbersville, Kentucky. Those four towns were the main four towns. Then we rented uh, Kentucky, Tennessee, down in Georgia a couple times, over to Virginia, uh, up into uh, southern West Virginia some, and then down in North Carolina a few times. Uh, but the main base was from, from right – we went to Charlotte several times, but from Charlotte up through Hickory, up through the north, North Carolina, all through there – um, all the way over to, you know, uh, southeastern Virginia, uh, West Virginia, just Tennessee, Kentucky, I'm trying to think, went to Georgia a few times. So just in that, that, that um, you know, southeast region of the U.S. there, if you will, southeast region. Yeah. Uh, East Tennessee, we ran East Tennessee. We didn't go over past Nashville. I'll go over that towards the end of the conversation about how far over we went. But, um, you know, Memphis stayed out towards Memphis to Nashville, and we ran from Knoxville over towards Nashville. So uh, it was kind of divided between East Tennessee versus West Tennessee. Yep. So. All right. So now we got an idea of what area this was. Um, now, as far yeah. as the formation of Smoky Mountain, um, I'm just going to hit this real quick, and then if we need yeah. to dig into it, you can tell us more about it. Apparently, it was when uh, Jim Cornette, Stan Lane, Tim Horner, and Sandy Scott left uh, WCW. They formed Smoky Mountain, as it turned out eventually, with Rick Rubin, the music producer's backing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of the formation. I guess originally they, they tried to become an NWA territory, and the NWA told them no because somebody else was already working as a uh, territory there. I don't know how that shook out, though. Because eventually Jim yeah. Cornette did end up promoting NWA titles and stuff for a bit. So, what yes. do you know, you know anything yes. about that, or did I hit that pretty well? No, I know I ended up, uh, I wrestled, uh, when Candido had it, and I wrestled Severn twice that we mentioned no NWA titles. But no, at the beginning, you know, I, I know... I know who some I knew who some of the players were, but I was going to talk to you from from what I knew. I was sure. in Florida, 
I had been trained out Malenko's. Um, I had been to uh, uh, Canada a couple of times. I'd already been to uh, uh, South Africa. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd been to several places, and and still working down in Florida. But while I was working in Florida, I was I was also training at you know still training at Malenko's. And uh, a couple guys told me that. Um, they heard Cornette was opening up a territory. They said, you know, aren't you from, they always thought I was up in Tennessee mm-hmm. and it's close enough, you know, cause my accent and stuff, they said, yeah, you, you know, you talk like you're from Knoxville area. Um, and, and I used to get that a lot, but anyway, I said, Oh, so I just heard that's back when the sheets was, you know, we still read the dirt sheets and this and that. So I guess around February of 92, um, I guess is when Smoky Mountain actually had their first TV tapings. And I ran into uh, Tommy Rogers, and this is how I kind of got my foot in the door. And I'll talk you through it. It took me nine months to actually get into Smoky Mountain. And basically, I ran into Tommy. Tommy would come by sometimes at Malenko, would, would train for uh, Japan or maybe be doing an indie show down there. And he also worked out at one of the gyms I worked out of. And um, he mentioned it. So about two or three people had mentioned it, and I guess he had come up for the TV tapings, and he, I ran into him. We talked. He said, aren't you from up in that area? I said, yeah. He said, Corny's open the territory. And I said, oh, that's great, you know. So um, he said, uh, he said, I'll be talking to him tonight and uh, care if I pass your name along. I was like, no, that'd, that'd be great. You know, I appreciate it. <laughs> that'd be great. So uh, so he talked to him. Well, the next day, he gave me Cornette's number, and I called Cornette. And um, long story short on that, you know, Jimmy picked up the phone and said, hey, Bobby, uh, you know, we started talking for like two minutes. He goes, Bobby, I'm really busy. I, I'll, I'll, let me call you back tomorrow. Well, the next night, of course, I'm sure he was still busy. He didn't call me back, and that's fine. You know, I'm like a little schoolgirl waiting on a, you know, high school quarterback or something. Sure. Anything like that, strictly business, you know. So I see Tommy at the gym the following day. So about three or four days passed, and he said, hey, did you talk to Jimmy? And I told him, no. He said, be home at 9 tonight. He said, I'll have him call you back, at least, you know, get some conversation out of him and see what's going on. I know he's busy. So when Cornette called back, you know, very professional, hey, Bobby, you know, and he told me what's going on. He said, yeah, I am. I'm working up in this area. Told me some of the towns. He said, but I don't even have a full crew yet. I'm just now getting my TV together. He said, I'll certainly keep you in mind. Send me what you have. So, again, this is probably in uh, March or April, late March, early April, because, again, I'm still down in Florida. I stayed there through June. So, anyway, um, Cornette, I sent him the stuff. I sent him some pictures I had in a you know, VHS tape that I had. And, you know, of course, you didn't hear anything back or anything other than to stay in touch with me. So, fast forward that conversation until about uh, June, uh, late June of, of 92, and I was I was back home, like I said, I stayed in Florida to early uh, June, and I come to find out there was a Smoky Mountain Wrestling Show about an hour from my house, and that Cornette was going to be there. And I thought, well, what better way than not go and see him in person? You know, we've already made contact, I've been keeping in contact with him, like he told me, let's see what's happening. So I was on my way to Canada, but I was going to be home for the whole month of June. I wasn't leaving for Canada until after the 4th of July for my second tour up there. So um, long story short on that, I rolled up to uh, to a little town called Paintsville, Kentucky. That Smoky Mountain ended up running quite a bit. It's about an hour from my house. And um, I got there and met Jimmy in person, you know, and we just talked and everything just, you know, hey, I'm really interested in coming in, told him what I'd been doing. I said, the only reason I left Florida is so I'm getting ready. I'm heading up to Canada. I'm getting ready to do that. My second tour there, I told him I'd been to South Africa, um, doing this, doing that, you know, and um, 
So he said, oh, that's great. Now, keep in mind, this is, again, this is like June of, of 92, so it's still early on with Smoky Mountain if you're following the tapings or anything like that. But I gave Jimmy another tape and more pictures and, you know, probably some of the same ones. I don't know what I had. And, this and they said, well, keep in touch with me. So, of course, I went and done Canada for about, I think that second tour was another 16 weeks or whatever. So by the time I get home, you know, I'm staying in touch with them just here and there. Nothing really happens until 93. So so now I've talked to him in, in 92. Now it's uh, February of 93. I go to Australia. I go do a big tour over there. And I come home from there at the, towards the middle or end of March. You know, sent my stuff in, stayed in contact, like I said. But what happened was Bobby Fulton got a hold of me, of the Fantastics. Of course, Tommy, earlier I mentioned, was from the Fantastics. They had done some work for Cornette, like I said earlier, on the tapings and stuff. And Bobby had found out that, you know, actually ran some towns for Smoky Mountain Wrestling. So, anyway, he got, gets a hold of me, and I was jet-lagged as can be, but he said, you know, hey, I got a town, can you, it was over in Ohio. And I hadn't met Bobby. I knew Tommy because I used to see him quite a bit, but I hadn't ever really uh, met Bobby before. So, the first night I met him, we I went to a town and um, – we, we've talked about some of the shows I've done with him where you do the, the captain's match. And, isn't, but I, and if anyone's young out there listening, I'll tell you how important a lockup is. And by this point, I had my, I think I was, I was in Australia, I had my 400, like 475th match while I was over there. So I'm probably close to, you know, getting close to 500 matches, you know, legit, you know, matches. And, and Bobby said, come here. And he stepped to the shirt and said, lock up with me. And I locked up with him. And I tell us the young people, all the young guys get in business all the time. You could tell by the way someone locked up, they got experience or not. And he locked up. He goes, oh, that's great. And, but he said, hey, you know, I heard good things about you from D. Malenko and my partner, Tommy Rogers. So that's another thing. My name and my training and stuff, that was that was what Bobby had said, you know. And um, anyway, I guess Cornette and him had exchanged my name and number. So Fast forward, so that went well. Bobby called me back the next day and said, hey, I got some more bookings for you, blah, blah, blah. So fast forward about another two or three weeks, and Cornette calls me and um, asked me if I'd like to have a tryout because I guess uh, Bobby had put in a good word for me that, you know, hey, I was a pretty good hand or whatever. And with that, let's take a quick break, if you don't care, and I'll mm-hmm. tell you about my tryout. Think real quickly about that Paintsville show. That's the other thing. When I went there, um, I sat on a baby face side. They had a hell of a crew. It was the stud stable was there. And then also on a baby face side, it was Brian Lee and Robert Gibson was there. And so was Scotty Armstrong. And one of the last things Cornette said to me, because he had to go to the Hill locker room as fans started coming, et cetera. He said, uh, are you going to stick around and watch the show? And I said, oh, yeah, absolutely. And he goes, good. He goes, see, see where you think you might fit in here. See if you think you can work with some of these guys, you know. And so that, I thought that was really encouraging, too, you know. So uh, I went over and sat by the baby face side because uh, I'd already spoken to Brian and, and Robert earlier, and then I spoke to Scotty, of course, and we all sit there talking. But I, I, I kind of had an idea, you know, what kind of crew they had, and also it was a good, good little house show matches, you know. But I thought that was really professional. Cornette said, you know, hey, See where you might fit in at, you know. So anyway, we'll come back from that. Yeah. Um, okay. So I've got I've got some follow up questions here, just to get a yeah. kind of a sense of story and scale here. Sure. Um, had you met Jim Cornette before the conversations about joining uh, Smoky Mountain had ever come up? No, uh, no, I'd only seen them. Um, you know, of course when I used to come to Huntington or Charleston or whatever, it's managing the Midnight Express. But I, I had spoken to Bobby Eaton a couple of times just because that's the kind of guy Bobby Eaton is. You know, I'd be there uh, being a fan, and I'd say, hey, Bobby, you know, he always waved to people. <laughs> and I uh, didn't go back behind the curtain or whatever, you know. But, um, but no, uh, I didn't know uh, 
Jimmy other than that first time I made that phone call to him, and then when I met him in, uh, you know, like I said, in sure. Yeah. Um, and then a question I always have for people, because I know you were a wrestling fan, and, you know, before I started, like, my podcasts and things, I'm just a fucking nerd, and I've met some pretty famous people. Did you get starstruck when you first got into wrestling? Because, like, I know early on you worked with Flair, or you met Flair and Roddy Piper in the same night, and I would have shit my pants. What was that like for you? Uh, no, not really, to be honest with you. Um, just just where I had been around the business so much anyway, and such a fan of it, um, I don't, I don't, I don't recall that, Jeremy. You know, yeah, um, yeah, it was a, I was a fan for sure, but I didn't mark out if that makes sense. Um, I, I guess because I felt like I was one of the boys already, you know. Sure. I mean, I, I mean, I knew it was a, a fraternity and a special thing to be in, but just being on a you know, working independent shows and, and then also like I had set up the ring down in Florida. I set up the ring for the NWA when they came down there before. Um, I had been around, you know, so many guys that, yeah, I was, you know, oh, gosh, that's so-and-so, you know, um, Kevin Sullivan or uh, who else did I see down in Florida there? I, I'd see some of these guys, you know, uh, uh, Barry Windham, uh, Kendall. Um, so, I mean, I'd seen some of these guys before. Maybe not on a scale of a flare, like you're saying, when I met Flair and Piper that night. But, no, I just kind of, you know, um, just just a fan. But I didn't, mm-hmm. you know, fanboy or anything. Oh, yeah. Well, because, you know, I know two two celebrities I met. I was just dumbfounded. Couldn't couldn't speak when I met them. It was Aaron Gray and, um, uh, oh, damn it, what's her name? Uh, the redhead from Doctor Who yeah, that was in Guardians okay. of the Galaxy. A friend of mine saw the picture I took with her. He goes, you look like you're sweaty and about to pass out. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I, I really, really was. So Yeah. 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 So early on, I definitely got starstruck. And so I'm yeah. always curious about that because early on, I also got stage fright. But I've also led Q&A sessions with uh, Kevin Eastman from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in front of 300 people and not even had it bother me. So I'm always Ooh. curious about that, you know. Yeah. yeah. No, and I'm not saying I haven't ever been. I'm sure I have been, you know, but but not not necessarily in a professional wrestling business at that point. You know, I just was like, you just sometimes it's like uh, just two guys discussing business. You sure. Know? Well, yeah, so. and I guess you know your your fraternal remark, I guess, kind of sets that up because I guess once you're in, you feel like you belong, so it's probably less of a like holy shit, you know. Yeah. 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 No, I, I when I was a fan like going to some of those shows in Huntington and Charleston back when the NWO would come and I got in and I got close to backstage or whatever. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, when you get, you know, when I wasn't into business, but still a fan, yeah, sure. I was like, Oh, there's so-and-so let's go. You know, there's whoever it is, you know, but, uh, so yeah, I used to get that away when I was younger, but not, not once I was in the business, I was pretty much, you know, just like you said, that fraternity type thing. Yeah. And then, and then the last comment I have is people have trouble placing your accent because you've got a Baltimore accent with a twang on it, and that's why people don't know where you come from. I know, hun. They're been saying hun up there, you know? So that's right, hun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that might be what it is. Well, because you don't really have a Kentucky accent. It, it's, I don't know. It's pretty Appalachian, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. But I'll take, I'll take the Baltimore up a twang. So. I think that's what you got. That's, I've been trying to place it since I met you, and that's been about <laughs> two years now, and I think that's yeah. what it is, yeah. Okay, we'll go with that. All right. Well, um, we got a break there. Let's uh, let's yeah. talk about this. If anybody wants to know more about your career, you also have written a couple books. Yes. Yep. And Absolutely. Can... Um, both books are available on Amazon. You can go to. Um, I've got 
Pin me, pay me, have boostful travel. You can go to tinyurl.com slash blazebook1. That'll get you my first book. And I do talk a whole, whole lot about Smoky Mountain Wrestling in there, uh, which I'm going to cover in just a few more minutes, some of the other stuff up to the title and things. And then also you can get... I kicked out on two, the educational wrestler. You can get that my second book. You can get that at tinyurl.com slash blazebook2. Again, either one of those are available at Amazon. But if you would like to uh, help our program out here, help the, help the uh, podcast out, we get a little bit of a kickback by that. If you use the tinyurl.com slash blazebook1 or tinyurl.com slash blazebook2 for either pin me, pay me, I kicked out on two, or uh, yeah, both of them. <laughs> pin me, pay me. I kicked out on two. That's both of them right there in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, but pin me, pay me is one I talk about uh, uh, Smoky Mountain a lot more in that one. So if you're liking this story, you can you can kind of follow along with that. Absolutely. All right. So where did we leave off in your story here? Um. So yeah, I was getting ready to try out. So um, I had been over in Australia, like I said, got the. Uh, uh, got the call from Bobby Fulton, and then, uh, I don't know, a couple weeks later, Cornette called me and asked me if I'd like to have a tryout. And I was like, and the funny thing was, uh, at the time, I was, like I said, I was still kind of jet-lagged because I'd been over in Australia, and I hardly ever sleep during the daytime. And I was over at my uh, parents' at my old room. I was just kind of in transit because I'd been to, like I said, been to Florida, been to uh, uh, Canada, then I've been to Australia, so it's like hard for me to keep a room pretty much anywhere. But uh, one of my brother knocked on the door and said, Hey, you got a phone call. I said, tell him to call back. I'm sleeping. And I hardly ever say that. That was just something so uncommon for me to tell you the truth. And, uh, but again, it must've been a jet lag. He goes, I think you might want to take this when it's Jim Cornette. And I jumped up out of that bed. So there I might've been starstruck because even though I'd met him, you know, I was like, I went in and and he said, Hey, Bobby said, this Jim we're running. Um, I was wanting to know if you'd like to have a tryout, uh, this coming uh, next week, I think it was. And I like, yeah, I'd love one. He goes, yeah, we're going back. We're going to be up in your area. And he said, you know, I heard a lot about you. So, uh, uh, can you be in Beckley, West Virginia? And it was an afternoon show when that was one of the regular towns, uh, Beckley, West Virginia used to be a great NWA town. Um, and I, they used to draw really good there. I remember Bullet telling me a couple of times how, how, how good the houses were there once I got, you know, up there. But, um, anyway, I, um, so I had a tryout coming up, and I was like, man, this is great. And I still had a – you know, I was in really good shape because I'd been all these places. I'd been, you know, training hard. I'd been – it was winter time here, but it was, uh, you know, summer over in Australia, so we was over tanning every day, you know, lifting and, and yeah. working in the ring. You know, you can't that, – that working every night just keeps you in such good shape too. So um, I get to uh, Beckley, West Virginia. And of course, I meet Mark Curtis. He's one of the first people I've met. We've talked about him before on the show and what a great guy he was. And, uh, he, he comes up to me and we immediately start talking just all this old school wrestling. He's talking about Malenko's and we're just talking about training. We're, I mean, it's just, it, it just clicked right away. One of those type things. Of course, I meet Stan and Bobby and Bobby is just one of the nicest guys you can ever meet, man. It was just, you know, hey, you want some candy, you want a piece of gum, you need something sewn, you need a towel. He had this bag, you know, you find out eventually he has everything you need, uh, you know, socks to, to whatever, but he always, you know, just a super great guy and, um, met Stan and, and, um, uh, Tom Young was still there too at the time. And I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, so, uh, anyway, cause I mean, I go to the, when Brian brings me in, I just go to the baby face locker room and, and, and say hi to all them, but I go over to the heel locker room cause that's where Cornette's going to be, you know, like I said, Stan and, and Bobby and them guys. So when Cornette gets there, uh, you know, he goes around, says hi to everyone, and says, hey, um, 
you want to come back here and talk? And I, yes, sir. You know, I wasn't going to sit there in front of boys. I don't know what he's going to tell me or not to, right. you know. And he said, hey, Bobby, I just want to thank you for having me on the show here. And, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. I, I, I was just very professional, you know. And about, I don't know, a minute, minute and a half later, he said, well, hold on a second. He opened the bathroom door up there and big Brian Lee walks in. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I hadn't talked to him yet. I talked to him back, like I said, at that summer show way back when, but that night I hadn't talked to him because he was over the baby face side. And, um, anyway, so he, he comes into that bathroom and he goes, Hey, Bobby, you met Brian. I go, Hey, you know, and he goes, he goes, uh, you wouldn't have a problem uh, putting him over, would you? I, st- I looked up at Brian. I go, I go, looked at Jimmy. I go, are you kidding me? I said, he's foot. I said, he's this. Is what I said, I said, he's six foot fucking six and weighs about 300 pounds. I have a problem whatsoever. I looked, I said, what's your finish, big man? <laughs> and Jimmy and him both started laughing. They go, no, no, man, you're not here to get squashed or anything. He said, just go out there and have a good match. And, uh, uh, Brian, tell him your finish, you know, and Jimmy left and that was it. And I go, what do you want to do? And Brian goes, I don't know. You're the fucking heel. Get out there and call it, kid. He goes, I'm going to tell you my finish is this. He goes, I'll pick you up. It's nice and easy. When I drop, when I bring you down, just, just relax. I'll drop you nice and easy. I like, all right, man. So that's my, that's my introduction to, to, you know, from Corn. That's how professional people are. You know what I'm saying? He just knew, you know, the right way to treat people and how to talk to people and those type things. So, uh, I go back over to the locker room. Brian and we haven't caught anything. Mm-hmm. We haven't said a word other than what I just now told you, and uh, I go over to the um, to locker room. Uh, there was another match before mine. I can't remember who it was to be honest with you. Um, they had a couple other guys that were still doing kind of tryout things and also had done that loop. And I think that was the third day of a loop. They'd done a Friday, Saturday, just for the Sunday afternoon show. Uh, so um, I, I know the guy. I can't remember. I think it's Curtis Thompson and someone else were like the opening match. And like I said, they had a couple other guys on the show too. But anyway, so I get out there and, um, here I am, you know, like six one, about, I'm about two fifteen maybe. And then prime time, he's like, man, he looks great. Brian looks great, like six six, like he is about two eighty. And, uh, and that's the other thing, Courtney. See, you know, he's been our he's been our TV champion. He's been our first champion here. He, uh, you know, tell me about him. Like I, I'm, I don't care what he's done. I'm gonna still put him over. You know what I'm saying? You ain't gotta convince me. You know, but just very professional. We get in a ring and uh, uh, I lock up Brian and. Um, <laughs> He says, dick drag. <laughs> so I give him an arm drag, and he takes a big-ass arm drag for me. Now, I'm supposed to be the heel called a match, but that's fine because, you know, he's a work to the heel too, but I'm there to make him look good and put him over, but it's my tryout. And we get up, and he goes, oh, you like that, did you? I start laughing. He goes, dick drag me again. So I, <laughs> I gave him another real big, deep deep, you know, arm drag, and he got up, and he looked at Brian, he pulled him over, and it's almost like his work as a heel, because I dare Cornette to hire this guy. He said, he's already good, I could tell. We locked back up, and he said, whatever you want to do, just call it, and I just called the rest of the match. I started working heel, like, hey, he's pulling my hair, he's pulling my trunks, the whole heel gimmick, you know, and we went about 10 minutes. Yeah, you know, I got some heat on him. Uh, I, 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 bent him, I kicked him, I bent him over, and I said, stay, and I did a Russian leg sweep, and I got a little bit of heat on him. He took it, boom, 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 and it was time for the comeback, and uh, basically, I just put myself in position because I didn't really know how to do his finish other than he said, when I pick you up, I'll lay you down flat, you know, and he had a thing where he picked you up on like a shoulder breaker, and uh, he picked me up across the shoulder, dropped down to a knee at Georgia. Then he just slid me off, one, two, three, and thank you, and that was it, you know, and I thought, oh, man, that's cool. And that's also the first night I met Sandy Scott, 
Tim Horner was there. Um, I think Tim Horner was there. I could be wrong on that. I know Sandy Scott was because Sandy come and gave me my paycheck. And um, I hadn't asked for any money. You know, I didn't know what to expect or anything like that. And um, they handed me a check for $75. And I was like, oh, man. Well, two things. <laughs> One, it was a check, and I was broke. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I had a little bit of cash in me, but I'm thinking, oh, what do I – I don't – you know, you're still skeptical at this point going, first of all, I was, ha- I was happy at $75. I was surprised, to be honest with you. I had an idea what it might be, but I wasn't sure. But I, but I was surprised at a check, and I thought, man, are, are they kidding me? Everywhere I've went, I've got cash. Don't – you know – so I went and found Jimmy. Of course, we talked. He, we talked. He said, good match, blah, blah, blah. And then I got paid. He said, see, Sandy, for your pay. Well, of course, he's going to go back out and work the main event, too. But anyway, long story short, he said, find Sandy. And so my first run-in with Sandy was after I got my check was I had to go back and ask him to cash it. Because I, I wasn't sure if that check would bounce or not, honestly. I, you know what I'm saying? I don't know. I had to yeah. be paid by check. And so uh, Sandy was like, I've already counted the money. And so my first running was saying to this kind of like we started off with like, oh, shit, because <laughs> he's a tough old son of a gun. We end up I have nothing but respect for him. But, uh, man, I thought, oh, God, he's going to kill me the way he was talking to me just by cashing the check. And I got to get back in that cash box and I got to do this and do that. And I was like, oh, geez. But he had already signed everything out. Those legitimate company. You know what I'm saying? So uh, so I, he said, sign it over to me. So I signed it over and I got cash and thanked him and this and that. Of course, our relationship got better after that. When yeah. I came back in, but uh, yeah, that first day I was like, "Oh shit, I this guy's tough. He's gonna whip my ass for just asking to cash my own check, you know." But uh, I just want to leave there cash. That's all it was, you know. I wasn't wasn't anything wrong with that. So uh, like I said, I talked to the boys and had a good match. I felt like it was a real good tryout match, and um, so uh, that was in late. That was the middle of March. Like I said, when I came home from uh, from Australia. So I'm home like a couple of weeks, whatever. And Jimmy Swap in touch with you. And um, if you want to take a break right here, I'll tell you what happened next. All right. Yeah. And uh, Bobby, your your internet got a little bit shaky. I could still make out everything you said, but we might need to keep an ear. I understand you're having some trouble today. Okay. Um, yes. You're still coming through clear right now, but we had a few words there where it got a little little goofy. Yeah, I so. saw my yellow warning sign on my. Yeah. Internet. It, it's been three or four days, like uh, tell you the truth. So I'll keep my eye on it too. But um, yeah. So let's take a break right there, so you can just put in whatever if you don't care. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. Well, let's. Um, <laughs> let's see. Internet was doing it. Yeah. Well, let's do. Um, you know, we'll we'll talk about YouTube real quick here because we okay. we cover a lot of classic wrestling on YouTube. Uh, that's kind of the niche we've carved out for ourselves, and it was the pan uh, the place in wrestling that you and I are the biggest fans of. Um, so we have a guy that we keep down in the basement. It doesn't, it's not as kinky as it sounds. <laughs> His name is Tex and he does our YouTube videos. He, what he does is he takes the shows, slices them up and recontextualizes parts that we talk about adds in videos and, uh, you know, little pieces that add some context to everything that we talk about and then puts them up on YouTube. Uh, now Tex is a really busy guy. I don't know how somebody who lives in the basement stays as busy as he does. But so, you know, sometimes our YouTube page slows down a little bit. But, Bobby, where can they find our YouTube page at? Yeah, check us out on YouTube at tinyurl.com slash video. And Tex does a great job at that. I think the problem was get them at TV when college football season's on. That's what's happening. Yeah. But he's done a great job. He's a, he, uh, he does a lot of graphics for our, our uh 
Twitter and the internet uh, pages. Uh, but on the YouTube, he does a fantastic job on that. Again, it's tinyurl.com slash video. Right now, I mentioned football because we have all the wrestlers. There's a top ten out there of all the wrestlers that were uh, football players first, and I think we went through the first Texas got the three, first three or four up there, 10, 9, and 8, if I'm not mistaken. I know he's working on another one right now as we speak. Um, also, we've got the top 10 managers. We've got the top 10 heels, uh, regional heels, regional baby faces. We've got the legitimate badasses has over 660,000 views between all 10 of those videos. I, I haven't checked them lately, but I know we've got a lot of views on that. And, again, it's tinyurl.com. Uh, slash BB, BB video. And I think we have about 6,200 subscribers to our YouTube channel. So go in there and give us a thumbs up. Give us a like. I guess that's what the thumbs up is and, and give us a uh, subscribe to us. You know, tell a friend about it and check out some. I've had a lot of people come up to me and I'm not out a whole lot, but when I'm out, I've had people come up and say, hey, I saw you on TV the other day and I know it's YouTube. You know, they'll mm-hmm. say, it, and something that's flash. Well, they're usually guys. A little bit older that go back and watch some of the old wrestling that we're talking about. And then inevitably one of our videos from the, uh, the, uh, tinyurl.com slash BBBB video, uh, slides in on them because they're up there already watching some classic wrestling. So I think that's great that they're throwing in some of our videos, whether it be like last week, uh, Bobby Heenan and Piper, guys we've talked about, Dusty, uh, just things out there that, that, that Texas put up there, uh, on our YouTube channel. I really appreciate that too. Yeah. So. No, he does a great job, and and what's interesting to me, because you and I record, and then I take a day, and I edit, and by the time I'm done editing, I am so sick of our voices that I need a week off, and you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I rarely go back and re-listen to them, because by the time I'm done editing, I've heard the show, on Mondays, I hear the show five times, Jeez. and so that goes away, and then Tex comes up with the videos. Well, he does such a good job of adding and slicing up content. I mean, adding to and taking away from. Yeah. That I go back and watch those, and I enjoy the show almost brand new because of the context that he adds to the YouTube videos. Yeah. Yeah, it's great stuff, man. Keep yeah. it up, Tex. We appreciate you. Absolutely. That. Absolutely. Yeah. So by Monday nights, I am so sick of you and my voice. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Yeah, I'm just like, I never want to hear these two fuckholes talk again. <laughs> All right, well, let's pick back up there, Jeremy. So I had my tryout match. A couple weeks passes by. Smoky Mountain Wrestling runs the show in April. Uh, it's in Pikeville, Kentucky. Um, it's called Hill. There's a the gimmick is Hillbilly Days. Imagine that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Pikeville is about two hours from me. And it, but they do this every year. They've done it for years. And it's 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 actually called Hillbilly Days. And they've always had, you know, uh, everything you can imagine uh, from gospel to 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 country to rock performers to to professional wrestling the stock car you know everything so they always had wrestling up there well uh the bluegrass brawl uh takes place that's where we end up having a bluegrass bluegrass brawl every year was at pikeville college and um so that after my tryout that was that was the following week was the the bluegrass brawl which is a big show and what happened was uh robert gibson at rock and roll express uh they were wrestling uh, Stan and uh, Bobby uh, with Jimmy, of course, and they had a brawl. Uh, I think the stud stable was in the match as well. Um, I think it was like a three-way. I think Arn was there. I could be wrong. I think it was Matt, the night Arn showed up. Uh, he was with the Rock and Roll, stud stable, and then Corny in the Midnights. Um, anyway, if someone wants to check that, feel free to. But I think that's the Bluegrass ball. To what happened was uh, Robert Gibson got hurt. 
And at the time where he was living that, he lived farther than I think just about anyone at that point to come up and do, you know, two or three or four, four days or whatever. But he was one of the mainstay guys there, you know. But uh, he hurt his ankle. And uh, I think he was swatting off the basketball goal or something. He was climbing basketball posts and everything else, you know, just brought everywhere to the gym from what I heard. Because I wasn't there. I've only seen some of them on tapes. But um, Cornette calls me that following week or that following Monday, I guess, after the shows. And he tells me a situation that Robert's hurt. And they got a three-day loop coming up and want to know if I'd like to be a part of it. And I said, oh, my goodness, yes. Yeah, I'd love to. Well, uh, he said, yeah, we're in Kentucky. All, all, actually, it's four nights, but three of the nights we're in Kentucky. And he said, uh, yeah, he said, I don't think you're too far from any of these towns. And, and come to find out, it was about two hours from each town. But once you got to the one town, it was only about, you know, an hour and a half, you know, again, from each town. So I was like, hell yeah, I'll do that, man. And um, so what they did, now listen to this, man, this, this is – I had my tryout and, you know, talk about star stuck, struck, whatever, uh, you know, you're, you're going from this tryout to now you're going to be on the, on the crew, you know, and I get there and I, I go to the baby face locker room, Armstrong's, you know, of course, uh, talk to Mark Curtis and, you know, all this and that. And so what he does, Cornette puts me in a first match against, uh, he puts Tim Horner with Ricky Morton. So that's your rock and roll main event, but he, but he also puts me in the opening match against Dr. Tom Pritchard. Can you believe that? Dr. Tom Pritchard, man, in a singles match, opening match with Cornette as his manager. Now, how good is that? You that's, know? Pretty, that's pretty solid. That's yeah. pretty damn good, yeah. So he was going to come back out and do double duty, you know, work later on with, uh, with um, shit, who was he working with? Uh, Stan was still there. I'm sorry. Stan was there. Bobby had went back, I think, to uh, WCW. So, yeah, it was uh, – by this time, yeah, that's who it was. So Tom and I go out there, and of course, she's got about fifteen minute match to you know opening match to feel no no big thrills or anything. And man, I remember just locking up with Doc, and I'd I'd only spoke to him back in you know a few months before at my tryout. I spoke to him in that locker room, and that was pretty much it. You know, a lot of respect for him, and we had a nice little conversation just about the business because he was such a fan of the business too. He knew about Malenko's. Remember hearing about Malenko out in Houston, you know, saying all these different things. So just just being fans like you and I talk, you know, so. Yeah. That was the extent of our conversation, basically wrestling the whole time, you know. So we get in the ring, man, and again, little was said and a lot was done. It's one of them things where you just work. And I remember Cornette being at ringside, and uh, I, I, two things I remember uh, Tom saying to me was, uh, believe it or not, he just he goes uh, he goes feed corny, and he, he he just basically put me at the edge of the ring. Uh, at the apron, you know, and walked away. So the referee would go with him, then Cornette come over and got me with the racket, you know, across the throat. So I just had to feed him, you know, stick your head out through there and let him get your, you know, uh, that's that. And the other thing he told me was, um, right towards the end, he said, um, could you do a reverse, um, reverse turf stomper, you know, like an atomic drop thing? <laughs> Cause he had me like in a front face lock and I just picked him up and, you know, I did just drop him between my legs like a nut shot, you know. Yeah. And, um, so, uh, yeah, he, that's, that's the two things he said. Basically, he had me in the front, and I had my arms around his waist, and I picked him up. But that's what he said, Could you, you know, if I knew what he was talking about. And I was like, yeah. And that's about the only two things he said was speed corny, and then uh, could you do it, you know, basically an inverted drop, you know. And that's how I started my little bit of a comeback, and then finally he cut me off, and boom, 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 there's the finish. So I got to do that for the first couple, three nights, and, of course, I got to watch the show, too, and I thought, that's great, man, that's great. You know, because, again, I watched that first show in Beckley from top to bottom when I had my tryout. Mm -hmm. And um, anyway, so I'd done that, and then on the third night, uh, I don't think he was there on the first night, but the third night, uh, Sullivan was in. I'm not sure what, what the deal was, but anyway, he was on the show wrestling Brian Lee. 
I do know that. And um, <laughs> tell you that story real quickly. And that was uh, they had a battle royal, and all I could think about was, man, <laughs> he's going to come at me and just chop me. And I'd met him in Florida, Sullivan had. He's going to chop me to pieces and kill me, you know, in this battle royal. And I remember locking up when I got out there and everyone's out there, all your faces, all the heels climbed in and started attacking us. Kevin Sullivan comes right at me, right to me, backs me into a corner. He goes, hey, I hear Malenko trained you. And I said, yeah, yeah, yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> he said, put your hand on my head. When I did, he ran down the center of the ring and propelled himself over the top rope and landed right on his feet outside the ring, flipped me off and said, screw you, Bobby Blaze, eliminated himself right out of the battle royal. And I thought, oh, my gosh, that's professional. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's working, man. So, uh, so anyway, I got Tom a couple of times and, and I had that battle royal. So then the last night there, we was back, believe it or not, how things work. We was in Paintsville, Kentucky. And this is my first loop and, um, hadn't been paid or anything. I hadn't asked for anything. I didn't know how it worked. And I know they gave me a check at one time. So again, I was just like, okay, just keep showing up each night. That's what your job is, you know? And so I went, so that last night I went back again. Again, it was Paintsville, Kentucky, and and Mark Curtis comes in and says, uh, "Hey, Bobby, uh, Jimmy wants to know what your finish is." And I was tying my boot, and I looked up at him, and I said, uh, uh, "On my back, putting Tom over, right? <laughs> you know, something like that." He goes, "No, Jimmy brought you someone in to work with. You're going over tonight." And I was like, "Are you kidding?" And he goes, no, I'm not. I'm not messing with you. He goes, what do you want to do? And Robert Gibson was there, and I said, is anyone doing a drop kick off the top rope? And he goes, no. And, he, and Robert goes, Bobby, I should do that. He goes, can you do it? And I go, yeah. He goes, have you done it? And I go, yes, yeah, I have. He goes, because, uh, again, this was not, not Robert. Who was it? Maybe Tim. Maybe Horton. Horner, rather. Mm-hmm. One of them said that because they said, you know, have I done it before? And I said, oh, yeah, because I hadn't done it as a finish, but I'd done one in training and stuff, you know. One, the Robert wouldn't have been there, so it would have been 10, I guess. So I was like, yeah, I can do it. And then Brian goes, okay, that's what it is then. He goes, do you know a guy named Mike Sampson? Well, actually, I did. I'd worked a bunch of independents with him. I knew he was a good worker. He said, that's who's out there. He said, do whatever you want. If you trust him and, and have a good match, he said, He's done, he does TV for us. And I said, yeah, sure. I said, just just tell him the, um, the drop, the missile drop, kick off the top ropes to finish. And went out there, and, of course, I had a lot of people there because, of, you know, just an hour from my home and stuff. And I told people, you know, I'm going to be there and this and that. Done it, went over, and, um, you know, got my hand raised and all that. In the night, I got a check for four nights' pay, and I was like, man, this, this, it was nice, you know. And when Cornette paid me, he said, you know, um, you know, I'll keep you in mind, man. I've got some TVs coming up if you're interested. And that's, that's kind of from there. That's, that's how I got on because, yeah, Robert was hurt. So it probably would have been Tim who asked me if, if I could actually do that drop, uh, missile drop kick. But, um, so I got them four nights out of the way. And Cornette said, I'll be back in touch with you. And so maybe um, maybe about three or four weeks went by, he called me. He said, Bobby, would you like to come in and do some TVs? And I said, yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to. It'd be great. And so when I first got the TVs, uh, I didn't have any flashy gear. I was just wearing my black trunks and my black uh, boots like Malenko had. You know, it was just kind of homage to him, the old school type stuff, you know, black jacket and all that. And so um, – I get TV. I get to work with um, uh, Bobby Eaton, uh, Dirty White Boy, um, a couple other guys. Put them out. Do a tag team with, with the uh, Heavenly Bodies. Um, uh, Stan and Tom got to go out with them. Me and Robbie Eagle done that. So I done like three out of four tapings. I think I done three of them. I, I guess it was. And um, you know, Jimmy is like, man, you know, uh, I got after that TVs. Of course, I got beat or whoever uh, against Bobby, and then you know he pit you know pit me against. Then, um, 
a couple more weeks went by. He said, hey, Bobby, I've got some towns coming up your way. It's the summertime now. You know, this is by summer. And I'm just getting work here now. I'm still working for Bobby Fulton. Bobby Fulton's keeping me working up in Ohio. So I'm staying really, you know, and I had a couple of my own shows too, just little small ones, but I was still staying active, you know. And um, so he said, I've got some shows up in Kentucky coming up. You want to do them? And so I said, yeah, I sure do. So I already done the TV. And um, I guess I, you know, I guess I look good enough on TV for him or whatever. And um, I went to one of those shows. The first night was actually in West Virginia. Uh, and now listen to this. This is this is wild, man. So I'm sitting there in the locker room. Uh, they they used to have a, a, a shit, can't think of the place now. Um, the Greenbrier, the Greenbrier, up in West Virginia, uh, Lewisburg, up in that area where we was at. Jimmy comes up to him in the locker room and he goes, hey, Bobby, do you have any uh, more flashier gear or anything, anything with flames? Do you just always wear this? And I'd actually had some stuff already made up with flames and stuff, you know. And I'm like, yeah, actually, I do. And I showed it to him. And he goes, oh, I like that. You know, I like that. And I just didn't want to use it, though. I, I didn't know. I would go on TV. I didn't know what I was going to do. You know what I'm right. saying? I just wear it down, played it down. So, anyway, check this out, man. He says, um, <laughs> um, you work with Taz and like, you heard of Taz? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I knew who Taz was. You know, I was like, yes, sir, I know who he goes. Just got there to have a good match. He goes, he's like you, he's a shooter. He'll kill you. I said, fuck, I'm not a shooter. I'm just here to work, man. You know, if they go, oh, fuck, he's going to suplex into me, bitch, you know, kind of thing way back then. But uh, anyway, I knew who Taz was. <laughs> but, uh, uh, and of course, Mark Curtis put me over to him, blah, blah, blah. And we went in there and we just had a good match, man. Just, it was his last night in. He was actually, he'd been there for three days and he was finishing up. What well, right didn't do the other two days because they was in Tennessee, but he was on that three-day loop, and I got him on that last day. Went out there and had like an opening match with Taz, and I'm like, fuck, how you know how you can't screw this up? Just you know what I'm saying? Get out there and fucking work, man. We went out there and wrestled some, and and uh, you know, Fury suplexed me this and that, and I got my little comeback in. I you know, I did my knees, my drop kicks, this and that. I didn't do a Northern Lights deal, but I had a little you know little things I put together. And uh, then at the end, you know, he just, I guess he suplexed me or tapped me out. I don't honestly remember which because it was just that I really don't remember. It's just a house show. We had a good 15-minute match or whatever, what they needed for the opening match for him to go out and me to come in, you know. And um, and then, of course, I know Cornette was testing me a little bit too, like, you know, because he's, he's throwing me at Bobby Eaton. I mean, how that's fucking one of the best ever, you know. Yeah. And then you got a couple of his guys there staying and, and, and uh, uh, Tom, you know, then here's a guy – completely different style than what I'm used to because he's up east and I'm from down south, whatever, and there's me and Taz. So you can see, oh, this guy, you know, can work pretty good. And like I said, plus I'm working with Bobby uh, Fulton quite a bit still, you know, in the days I'm not working up there. And from that point on, he he said, Bobby said, come back to TV next time. He said, I want you wearing that uh, that gear you've got. And hell from there, man, it just kind of, I started working, you know, uh, September, October, just started really working every TV taping, every house show that he put me on. About 16, 12 to 16 bookings a month, you know, I was staying busy. Yeah. And um, so uh, <clears throat> if you want, we'll take a break right here if you don't care. Um, you know, I, I had a couple follow-up questions for yeah, you. Yeah, go ahead. I just, I need to take to get a drink, but also I know it's going to change pace. Cause I'm going to go into the next set yeah, of stories. Yeah, yeah, go, yeah. So go, we got take, up to that. Take, yeah, take your drink. Well, I've got you a couple go ahead questions. And ask question. Yeah. Um, so, you okay, know, I, we're just doing a whole career thing I spoke about, so. Yeah, well, there, there are just some questions I have now, and, you know, I, this is where the interviewer in me starts coming out again, but, 
So you were saying when you first talked to Jim Cornette, he said, send me what you got. I assume that means like a tryout reel or something. Yeah, I had a VHS tape. Uh, it basically, I think, kept around five to seven minutes and had, uh, I think I put some music in the background. I had some pieces of, uh, you know, I always tried to do, of course, being out Malenko's, I had some footage from, you know, wrestling in Florida. I had some other footage. I had a little bit of footage from a match like me and Dean had worked in. Uh, just some footage here and there. I put together, you know, edited and spliced together about five to seven minutes, put some music in the background. Someone put my, you know, name and, and phone number, address and stuff like that on there. Um, you know, at the beginning, and I think at the beginning, I see, hey, this is, you know, Bobby Blaze and, uh, Something like that, you know, whatever. But again, about five to seven promo type thing. And then I had some uh, five by seven black and white pictures, I guess, and a couple uh, couple of color pictures, maybe a little smaller. I can't remember exactly what I put in that. Yeah. And and for younger people, and a resume. Well, I was going to say, for younger people, you got to realize that getting a demo tape and a handful of pictures was a bigger pain in the ass back then than it is now. It was, yeah. And I did have a typed-up resume because I had been, like I said, I had been to Canada. I put on, of course, who I, my height and weight and uh, who I was trained by and emphasized that, of course, and then some of the places I had worked at. And, at, again, at that point, I had worked in Florida, uh, some independents, you know, here in Kentucky, uh, and then also uh, I went to Canada and then uh, – uh, went to South Africa. By this point, I'd already been to Australia, too, as I said. So um, I just put all that on there. I had these international tours and stuff, you know. And uh, well, I was gonna say- a nice little letter, you know, hey, Jim, yeah. you know, this is just to let you know I'm kind of following up um, with what you asked me to do. Well, and what I thought was funny is when you stumbled on Tim Horner's name a little bit, you went to Tim Horton, which proves, yeah, which proves you're an American who went to Canada quite a bit. Yeah. You know, yeah. And that's, I had Tim Horton's coffee for the first time up there. Uh, and I did, I could, I was, I love black coffee. I have been off of it for several months now, to be honest with you, but, uh, Tim Horton's my favorite coffee of all time. And that's because I was in Canada and we actually have two of them in my hometown here in Kentucky. So. Oh, do you really? Okay. And, yes, we do. Yes, we do. And the closest one here, I think, in fact, these are only two in Kentucky, and the closest one to us is up towards where, um, uh, like, Chillicothe, Ohio, or somewhere like 45 minutes or an hour away. So I'll be darned, because yeah. the only place I've ever seen them is in Vancouver. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, they're great coffee. But, yeah, I do it all the time. Uh, but, yeah, it must have been Horton, yeah. Horner, must, you know, whatever. <laughs> well, I just thought that was funny, because, you know, um, it just it shows how much time you spent in Canada. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, also, how do you feel about Colt Cabana borrowing your uh, your ring gear? Yeah, I kind of caught that too, man. Oh no, man! Give me a shout out or something, you know? Fuck. Yeah, because <laughs> I can't. Three or four people brought that up to me on Twitter. Yeah, I can't unsee it now. You know, I can't either. Yeah. I can't either, man. Yeah, um, I got to tell you, just just to get back to the NWA for a moment. Um, I was kind of pissed to see James Storm lose that uh, that national title. Uh, you know what? I was surprised, to be honest with yeah. you. Um, but, hey, that's why you're a wrestling fan, really. Yep. No, no, I like, to be, I like to be shocked. I like to be shocked. That's yeah. fair, yeah. But, but, yeah, I agree with you. I was a little surprised, man. So. Yeah. Um, all right, so now you're now you're down there running around with the Smoky Mountain crowd. You're kind of getting, yep. your, getting your feet wet. Where do we go from here? Okay, so what happens is, is – um, Jimmy, you know, told me to show up at TVs and do the house shows, et cetera. So we go down to, um, I don't know, like Cumberland, Kentucky or somewhere, Cumberland Gap or somewhere, Harlan, Kentucky, wherever they're doing the TVs at because 
to do TV, they do like three to four episodes, you know, every, every time we went to a town, you know, again, we're talking could be in Hayside, Virginia, Harlan, Kentucky, you know, uh, uh, Harriman, Tennessee, or wherever, usually a smaller place with a, you know, good high school gym with the good athletic boosters or whoever sponsors you. So you get you a good crowd in there for your house shows. Um, and I get there and he pulls me aside and says, Hey, Bobby, I got something in mind for you. Um, if you're interested. And he kind of laid out the, uh, the deal with Dirty White Boy. And I was like, fuck. Yeah, you know, TV, you beat the champ, beat the TV champ, going over on TV. Yeah, hell yeah, you know. And um, so that's kind of where it went from there to start a series of programs with uh, Dirty White Boy where I upset him on TV and he was just going to beat the dog piss out of me. And um, basically he could he could pin me as many times as he wanted to, but he couldn't make me quit. And all I had to do was make him, I just had to make him either tap out or pin him one time. And I, of course, that wasn't going to happen. But for that 10 or 12 or 15 minutes, I would only do like one or two things after first lockup. He would just start healing out on me and get advantage of me. And then he'd put himself in position and I'd do something that looked like a comeback. But boom, he'd knock me down again. So basically, I just, you know, took them ass whoopings without quitting. And that was the whole deal was to build me up as a no quit kid. You know, this, this guy's got a lot of fight left in him. He's got a ways to go because he's still green, you know, if you will, because he's coming on that TV and this and that. And I, I like to laugh of it so we done that but i'd also met a young guy named chris candido and uh, jimmy said this is who you're gonna be working with in the near future and chris had driven over from he was working over the memphis territory and he had driven over one like on a sunday afternoon show or something in knoxville met him in the back we talked a little bit hit it hit it off right away you know young like me athletic uh you know very well built very well spoken um you know that kind of thing so uh, that was just kind of planned out that, you know, once I finished up with white boy, that build me up a little bit, you know, uh, here comes Candido. We start that program, you know, um, and that gives us, they come to me and, um, the shoot is we had a big tournament up in Columbus, Ohio, and I won the U.S. Junior Heavyweight Title. You know, yeah. so yeah, whatever. Uh, whoever, whoever, whoever's out there got that. But anyway, I come back on TV and I've got this very one of the nicest belts I've ever seen, and it belonged to Scotty Armstrong, if I'm not mistaken. It was red, white, and blue, and it was a junior, the U.S. Junior Heavyweight Title, and it was just beautiful. It was a beautiful, beautiful belt, and um, that's what I got. And presented to me and the idea was that I can go back and forth with uh, Candido for this junior title, you know, this, this U S junior title. And, um, so that become a program that we worked on next. So now with the crew and again, at the time we're working 12 to 16, you know, times a month, which to me, I loved because, you know, a lot of times when you say 12 to 16 times, you know, that's, that's, you know, it's enough to make a decent little living off of. I wasn't going to get rich or anything, but it was, it was good. Plus, Pays the bills, yeah. face, you could, you could sell gimmicks. And I caught on to that. See, before, wherever I worked at the office, always kept the money. Um, you know, like in Canada, if they had pictures of you or whatever, if they, uh, did anything like that, you, you know, that the office kept it. Well, uh, one of my earliest loops, uh, the Rock and Roll Express, shout out to them, man. They're the kings of fucking gimmick sales. And then Tracy Smothers, too, man. And uh, we were sitting there. I was Johnson City, Tennessee, Johnson City, Tennessee. And uh, 
Someone yelled out, let the gimmick wars begin. What was intermission? And I was like, what the fuck's the gimmick wars? You know, I mean, I knew what the gimmicks were, but uh, they started taking off. And Tracy looked at me and goes, Bob, you got anything to sell? And I go, well, I had some old black and white pictures. All I had, you know, he said, I like, yeah. He goes, bring them with you. Come on, teach you. Smart you up, son. And so we got out there. Man, there's fucking people in line behind Rock and Roll's table buying fucking pictures, getting all dressed, Polaroids and this and that. I know we'll forget it because I said, Tracy said, stay in here and get my runoff, man. He goes, you'll, you'll do fine. I had them pictures. No one even knew who I was. Or they saw me a little bit on TV. Or and, I, and I sold like seven of them for $2 a piece, and I made $14. And I thought, man, that's the greatest fucking thing ever, man. <laughs> that's great. All right, everybody. We're going to stop right there. Uh, Bobby and I will be back next week to finish up the story about his time in Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Thank you all for joining us again. It's been our pleasure to have you, and it's been your pleasure to listen to Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze. Bye-bye, everybody.